Well, amen. Thank you so much, choir and orchestra. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you're a guest and the seat back in front of you is a card, we would invite you to take that and fill it out. If there's uh, for church members or our guest, if there's a question or comment you want to make or a prayer need that you might have, please send that in to us when uh, uh, we take our offering uh, or when you get ready to leave a little bit later in the, in the service. I guess we've already taken the offering. Of course, we may take another offering. I mean, uh, but uh, as you go out, there'll be folks at the door. If you would hand those to them, if you're our guest. We don't have visitors at First Baptist Church, Daytona. We just have members and guests. Guests are the ones who aren't members yet, should be, but they, they're still waiting. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll pray for you. But please do that. Well, tomorrow... Shortly after 1 o'clock, there's going to be an event. No, it's not the wedding. The wedding was yesterday. <laughs> and my hat goes off and my heart goes out to all of you who helped to make that such a special occasion for, for uh, Lowell and Denise. I'm telling you, it was just amazing. All the folks that spent so much time and effort uh, to make it very special, not just for them, but for the whole church. It was a celebration for the whole church. But tomorrow afternoon, about 1 or 1.15, depending on kind of where you are, there's going to be the Great American Total Solar Eclipse. Woo! Woo! I'm telling you. And uh, that's the longest title for two and a, uh, minutes and 40 seconds worth of activity of anything I've ever seen. But um, what, what we're going to have happen tomorrow afternoon is it's going to, uh, at about 2.15 where I live, for about 2 minutes and 40 seconds, there's going to be a total eclipse. Now, for us, it's going to be about 90%. Uh, what happens is the disk of the, of the moon appears to cover the disk of the sun. It passes in between. Of course, it doesn't. The moon is little bitty and the sun is huge, but because of the distance, it appears that it covers the disk. And so there's a 70-mile stretch starting in Oregon that goes all the way across the country and exits out across uh, South Carolina uh, where there will be the total eclipse. Uh, for us, again, we're on kind of the edge of it, so we'll have 88 to 90%. Now, don't look at the eclipse. Everybody's telling you don't look. Don't even get those silly glasses and think you're going to look because some of those glasses, I understand, are not uh, the best. So just don't do it. Turn on the television if you want to see it or just walk outside and stand there in the dark for a few minutes. I mean, that, that's what it'll amount to. And, uh, and enjoy the event. Now, if you miss it, in 2024, there'll be another one that starts in Mexico and crosses out over the, uh, the Atlantic states, the North Atlantic states. So there's another one coming. But, uh, but th this has caught the imagination of everybody. Tomorrow, when you hear the television talking heads talk about it, they're going to talk about how the astronomers and scientists have been able to predict to the second when it's going to start in Oregon and to the second when it will end in South Carolina. And my, again, I am grateful for scientists and for the com supercomputers and the astronomers and all of that 
who are able to calculate this event. Amen. Wonderful. But tomorrow I'm going to worship not the one who calculates the event, but the one who causes the event. What a glorious time to give testimony to Jesus Christ. What a glorious time to say, boy, this is amazing. Let me tell you something about it. And boy, that's a place you could drive a truck through that. I mean, you can tell them about uh, our great God. And so this morning I thought, what in the world am I going to preach to the folks uh, at Daytona? And I thought, well, why don't we just let a verse speak for itself and let it be the title. The heavens declare the glory of God. Join me, if you will, in Psalms 19 for just a few minutes. And let's see what saith the Lord with regard to the heavens declaring the glory of God. Psalms 19, I'm going to read the first six verses. Psalms 19 is one of my favorite psalms. And I believe it is apropos today as we think about this event that has captured so many's attention. Are you with me? Psalms 19, beginning in verse 1. The heavens, it's plural, there's three heavens. The heavens declare... And the word there in the Hebrew means to keep on declaring. This is continuing. The heavens keep on declaring the kabod of God, the glory of God, better translated, the heaviness of God. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, man, that's heavy? Don't get on to them. They're being biblical. That's exactly what this means. When you stop and think of our great God and his testimony to us, when you look up and look around, it is a heavy, heavy thought. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth, speaking of the sun, last part of verse 4, his going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. You know, David was not privy to telescopes and supercomputers. But David in this one little psalm here speaks immensely about the heavens. And he speaks to the fact that the heavens are testifying. And testifying what? The heavens are, point number one, an unmistakable witness. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Ladies and gentlemen, there is something that predates the Old Testament. The stars. (laughs) The stars predate the Old Testament. And the stars speak to us about God's omnipotence and God's glory. But let me just show you something to contrast this. And if you want to turn, fine. If not, just hold your finger there, and I'll come back and get you in a moment. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. This is the fourth day of creation. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. 
Now notice there's a semicolon. He made the stars also. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, he made the stars also. How many stars are there? Scientists tell us that in the Milky Way system, which is where our sun is, we're on the backside down at the end of it. In just our solar system, in just our galaxy that we're a part of, and scientists tell us this, there's between 200 and 400 billion stars. Now, folks, I was a businessman for many, many years. If I had one of my accountants to come in and tell me, I want to give you an estimate of what's going to happen, but it could be off by 100%, I'd fire the dude on the spot. What good is that? Well, there's 200 to 400 million, billion, quadrillion. They don't have any idea. And the reason they don't have any idea is the Bible says there are more stars than there are grains of sand on all the beaches, not just in Florida, but in the entire world. There's no way you can calculate it. But the Bible also says that the God who created you has named each star by name. What's your problem this morning? You got a problem? I feel so alone. God knows you. If God can name all the cotillion stars there are in the universe, and who knows, he's named each of them. He knows each of them. He knows where they are, what they're doing, why they're there. I guarantee you he knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the situation you find yourself in. He knows what you've been in. He knows what you're in now, and he knows what you're going to be in tomorrow. That's the great God who is the creator of the universe. You see, when when you go outside tonight on a beautiful, cloudless, clear Florida night, if you could, now you can't, but if you could, if you could look at all of the stars in the northern hemisphere, if you could see all of them in the north, and if you could, you'd see 3,000 with the naked eye. If you could see all the stars, and you can't, you can't see both, but if you could see all the stars in the southern hemisphere, you'd see 3,000 stars. When Galileo invented the telescope and looked through it, he was aghast because there were stars behind the stars, behind the stars, behind the stars. And Galileo, as brilliant as he was, said, there's 30,000 stars. (laughs) No, there's more stars than you can possibly ever humanly with your little finite computer calculate. Think of it this way. If, If you could name the stars or if you could identify the stars and you were able to do three stars a second, after 100 years, you would have less than 5% of the stars identified in our solar system. Let me say it a different way. If you could travel a million miles a day, you could travel 72,000 years 
and just reach the closest star, Alpha Centauri Major, which is 5.8 light years from Earth. And that's the closest one. The heavens declare the glory of God. I do not understand, and I guess it's because I'm just ignorant, how a scientist, an astronomer, a, a astrophysicist, I don't, I don't see how anybody who has a mind and has the information to begin to see the vastness and the complexity of the universe and not know that there's a God. That just baffles me. But it appears some who know so much see so little. It's like that Russian cosmonaut back when the space race was hot and heavy. One of the first to go up. And he was just circling the earth. He wasn't going out very far, just, just circling the earth. And he laughed. He said, I've looked out the window and I don't see God anywhere. Ha, ha, ha. What an idiot. I mean, he looked out, one of the first men to be able to look out and look down on this blue planet with the clouds and look up and see the blackness of intergalactic space and the stars up above it. I don't see God anywhere. What? Do you know what the atheist wants you to believe? You know what he believes? Nothing times nobody equals everything. Think of it. Nothing times nobody equals everything that is. Folks, it takes more faith to believe that than it does the Word of God. Yet, this is where we live today, in the world that we live. And the more we're able to look out and see more and more, I guarantee you there'll be a new telescope, there'll be a new uh, object that's sent out into space that's sending back pictures. We're going to see more and more and more that we don't even possibly even know today. When I was in the eighth grade, Miss Davidson gave a test to name the planets. I miss Pluto. She marked it off. Ms. Davidson, you're wrong. It is now not a planet. <laughs> I wanted her to go back and change my transcript because it's warped my entire life. I've never gotten over that. That stupid dog from Disney, and I missed it. My point is, just a few years ago, we knew that was a planet. No, it's not a planet. Just a few years ago, we knew this. And now it's not. Several years ago, Susan and I went to Paris and went to the Louvre. And in the Louvre, there's five and one half miles of science books. And they're all obsolete. See, they're the original book <laughs> that somebody way back at the dawn of time was writing about. And at that time, that was science. That was exactly correct, but not according to God. Our view is limited, but our view is sufficient enough to look and see that there's an unmistakable witness in the sky. God created all of this. There's no other explanation for it. If you have a creation, there has to be a creator. There has to be a beginning. Don't tell me nothing times nobody equals everything. I'm not real smart, but that just won't track. The heavens 
tell us of an unmistakable witness, but the heavens also tell us of an untiring witness. You see, the sun, moon, and stars are witnesses today and tonight. And guess what? There will be witnesses tomorrow and tomorrow night and the next day and the next night and the next day and the next night. They never tire. For you see, stars are hot and burning fires with massive stores of energy. They're a vast powerhouse of ceaseless energy, a massive ball of very hot hydrogen fires that takes a supercomputer to calculate what is happening chemically in those fires. The, the, the mathematical calculation of what is burning and what's being replenished, you can't calculate it. You have to have a machine that can do billions of bits of information a second to even begin to comprehend what's going on. But scientists have told us this, that our sun, which is of moderate size and moderate temperature, it's not a biggie, it is to us, but it's not in the economy of space. But they said there's over a billion years of energy before the sun even begins to diminish in its intensity. A billion years. And if you've ever seen a picture of the sun where the solar flares are going out hundreds and thousands of miles out and coming back, and when they go out, all of a sudden your TV goes... And all of this is taking place. And we sit here this morning and enjoy church. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky is God's unmistakable witness, but he's also the untiring witness. It, it's interesting that as you look at the stars and you look at who they are and what they're doing, they continue to burn day after day, night after night, and they continue to be this witness this untiring witness. The Bible here says in verse 4, says he has set in them, talking about space, a tabernacle for the sun. And then he describes the sun in verse 6, his going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Our star, our sun. Just think. This morning, that sun that shined down on me, I saw the sun come up. Praise God, I hope tonight I'll see it go down. But during the day, it made its trek across the heavens. You saw it, I saw it. I felt its heat, you felt its heat. We're at church. But you know the old boy that's out on the golf course right now, he also looked up and saw the sun. And he felt the heat thereof. The guys are out fishing this morning rather than in God's house. They see the sun. They feel its heat. It is an untiring witness of who God is. See, as a Christian, you get up in the morning and you stretch and walk over to the window and look out and say, boy, it's going to be a pretty day. Oh, man. God is good. The old pagan gets up and says, oh, Boy, it's going to be a good day to go fishing. Same witness. 
But one sees it as to what it is for him. The other one sees it as evidence of an omnipotent, loving, heavenly father. The stars, the, the sun, everything that's around us speaks of God's glory. It's an unmistakable witness. It's an untiring witness. But verses 3 through 6 says it's an, it's an understandable witness. The Bible says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. He's speaking again of the heavens, the stars, the firmament. But if you notice in your Bible in verse 3, there are three words that there is, that's in that little unusual lettering. And what that means is those words have been supplied by Bible expositors to help the verses read more clearer. Because the Hebrew and the Greek sometimes, you know, the sentences are backward and they have different flexes, tenses. And so every once in a while there's words that have been inserted and they're put in that little uh, italicized language for you to know that's not there originally. It's been added. And in this case, it's been added to try to help us understand. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There is, it's not there. Where, it's not there. Now, in this case, it does change what you're hearing. It doesn't change the bottom line, but it changes what you're hearing. Because the verse in your Bible says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. As it's written is no speech nor language their voice is not heard. You see the difference? Some years ago, I was on a college campus speaking, and a young man, I was speaking out of Psalms 19, and a young man took me to task. And he said, preacher, the stars can't speak. I said, you're exactly right. Because I was not pointing out that to him. He said, they, they, they can't speak. Not with an audible voice they can't speak. This is poetic language. It's telling us, and whether you read it positively or negatively, it's the same thing. The stars cannot speak a language that you can understand, but they speak loud and clear as to why they're there. That's what the verse says. Their very existence speaks to us, not with words, but with understanding. They're evidence of God's greatness. And so this young man, who was obviously confused because he was going to the University of Florida, uh, Slid that right in there. You, some of you, I see some of you. I didn't know. I don't know. He must be Florida State. No, sir. I'm from the real school, LSU. Amen. <laughs> but he was missing the whole point. He was trying to trick me by taking a verse and using human understanding to try to make it mean something he had already decided it meant. When if you read the verse positively or negatively, it says the same thing. Stars don't speak words, but they're glowing testaments that's louder than words that God has an understanding that he wants us to understand. And so it is an understandable witness. Finally, the sun each day, it shines on the just and the unjust, as I said. This morning it shines on whoever as a testimony. Each morning it begins its trek across the skies testifying to the glory of God. 
when you read Psalms 19 and you lay it alongside what's going to happen tomorrow, tomorrow, when it starts getting dark, if you're at work or maybe you have a club meeting, maybe you're out, maybe you're playing golf, maybe you're fishing, I, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're just out in the yard and a neighbor's across the street and they, everybody comes outside to see what's going on. You know what you ought to say? This is a testimony to God. For while I have great appreciation for the scientists that will tell us when it's going to happen, I have a greater appreciation for the one who's causing it to happen. And what a testimony. I mean, they can, they can tell you to the second when it's going to happen. God does things decently and in order. So tomorrow, use that as a witnessing tool. Use that as something to speak not of the, of the show that's going on, but let it be a testimony to our great God and his wonderful mercy and love and grace to us. The great American total eclipse. Listen tomorrow to what they say about it and see if you can somehow extract from it anybody, anybody who will offer praise to God. Probably you won't. That's why we are. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are excited about what's going to happen tomorrow. Not for what the world sees, but for what we see. We see your mighty hand at work. We see something that's going to take place that mystifies and magnifies at the same time. There are people around the world probably in remote places that may not even know about eclipse. They may or may not be affected by this, but they may or may not even know what is going on. But we know. We in America know. We know what's taking place. And while it is a scientific event, you're the God who's behind all signs. You set in motion everything that is in motion. So, Lord, I pray tomorrow as we enjoy the event, and it should be an enjoyable event, help us to use it as a testimony to speak a good word about who you are in our life. We'll be faithful to give you the praise for every good thing that happens. In Christ's name, amen. This morning, if you're here and you don't have a church home, let me recommend one to you. First Baptist Church, Daytona Beach. I told the West Campus this morning, it has absolutely been amazing to me. And I don't know why it's amazing. <laughs> but things that, you know, Les and I kind of think the same way. I'm an old executive pastor, real old executive pastor. And you always have a plan, but you always have plan B, C, and D in case plan A doesn't work. Well, we've been doing that. 
As we would make our plans with the advisory council, we'd say, okay, we're going to do this. Now, we've got to do this and this and this. If that happens and this and this and this, if that doesn't happen and this and this and this, because we don't know what's going to happen. And God just removed all of it. We don't need B and C. He's got A. And there was times we didn't even pray yet. He has moved mountains for us. He's put in place things that we weren't even contemplating. I'm telling you, the train has left the station, folks. Get on board. There are some exciting days coming up. It's not going to be long that we're going to have a machine out there digging a hole. We're not going to do, listen, we're not going to do the golden shovels. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get a machine and dig a hole. Because we're not going to use spades. We're going to use big equipment. We're going. We're going. Don't you want to be a part of that? If you're here and you're a guest, let me recommend a church that God's hand is on unmistakably. Come and join us. Help us to accomplish something for the glory of God. Church members, are you praying? Are you praying? This fall, you're going to have an opportunity to participate in seeing this done. That means financially making a commitment. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to be a part of that? I do. And I'm not even a member. I do because I see what God is doing. And I want to be a part of that. Those of you who are members of our church good members but maybe it just seems like your prayer life here lately has just not gone very far maybe there's unconfessed unrepented of sin in your life you need to come at this altar and just cry out to God not talk to me or to one of the staff members but talk to him maybe there's something going on and it's a cross pull in your life spiritually you just can't get in the traces and get in the, the pull and the power of God's spirit Maybe there are others that just need to come and kneel at this altar, not talk to anybody but God. Maybe there's something that's broken your heart this week. Maybe there's something that has scared you to death this week, and you need to come and bring it to the Father. I don't know what you might need to do, but this is a public invitation for you to respond as God's Spirit has prompted your heart about whatever's involved. What you've heard or what you've heard, this is that time to respond. As we stand and sing on the first note of that first verse, you need to be first in the aisle who are coming to rededicate your life. You might be an encouragement to somebody who's hesitant about coming that first time for salvation. Your faithfulness in coming forward might encourage them to come forward. We're standing now. We're singing. You're responding as God's Spirit would lead. Here we go.